So as a child, you wandered off in Walmart and wandered some more and wandered some more until that moment when your heart sank and you realized you couldn't locate mom or dad and you were lost. And you felt disappointed that you had made some of those decisions that got you in that place, maybe a little worried if you were going to get in trouble. Desperate, because you looked around, you're, you know, you're three feet tall looking at all the tall people looking around at the store, you don't see anyone you know. So you're desperate, you're a little scared, and disoriented. Where do you go now? Where do you, what do you do? What do you... It's the day before mobile phones and you couldn't just text mom or dad. You thought, should I scream? Should I, who can I trust? Jesus specializes in helping people who are lost spiritually. If you read about Jesus in the Bible, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read, and you just, you just follow him and, and watch, watch his patterns, Jesus so often would go and, and find the scoundrels of the town and hang out with them to tell them how much he loves them. And, and Jesus would walk into the red light district as often as possible and, and walk into it to, to mercifully, gently find a prostitute and to give her something that no man could. Forgiveness, salvation, meaning, purpose, new life. And Jesus loved to talk to corrupt officials and to promise them pardon and divine peace. And he did these things so much. Uh, Todd mentioned this earlier. He, he, he'd often find women who were in that society, in that day and age, considered much lower class. And he'd purposely find out the woman at the well. He'd go find, he'd find. And he did this so much that the haters started to criticize him for showing too much mercy, love, grace, and forgiveness. Man, I want a savior like that. And so in Luke chapter 15, the Bible records that Jesus told three lost and found stories or parables for this very reason. It says in verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15, that he was criticized for eating, eating with and welcoming tax collectors and sinners. And therefore, Jesus said, and then he tells these three lost parables, lost and found parables. So I'll cover those today. I'll especially focus on the third one. But the first two are shorter. The first one is about a shepherd who lost a sheep. And uh, what did he do? He went out, he searched for that sheep. And when he found the sheep, Here's what, here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus says in the parable. When he finds it, the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls all his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. If you can declare, if you can, if you can uh, what, what's, the, what's the main feeling of the shepherd? If you can describe his main feeling, I would say it's joy. And in parable number two, Jesus says, there's this woman and she, in her home, she, she has this sum of money that's very important to her. It's a big part of her wealth. In those days, they didn't have banks, and so she's got it in a shoebox. Well, she probably didn't have a shoebox either. What am I saying? Um, right? She's got it somewhere, and she loses it. And she turns the place upside down to find it. She sweeps, and she turns lights on. And, she, and finally, she finds this, this sum of money. And, so, and 
The parable says when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. Describe the woman's reaction in one word. Joy! Joy! Jesus wants you to know that it's not enough just for you to know that God seeks for you and, and finds you and rescues you. Jesus wants you to believe this, that God enjoys doing it. He's not perturbed. He's not disgusted. He's not poking his finger in your chest with shame. He's not rolling his eyes. He's like a shepherd who finds his lost sheep and a woman who finds her lost coin. This, my friends, this is joy. It's, it's seeking joy. It's reunited joy. It's welcoming joy. It's the shepherd, that, that little sheep. Oh, oh, you little rascal. Oh, I, I got you. Oh, don't, don't do that again. Uh, you know how much I love you, how much I care for you. Oh, you're safe now. I got you, little buddy. All right, that's reunited joy. The woman pulling mattresses out and, and searching in closets and, and finding extra lights and, and doing it all and later finding this coin, this sum of money. And as she looks back on her house, her house is now ransacked, but she looks at it in joy. She's not worried about cleaning it up. She's just glad she has that coin. That's joy. That's what Jesus describes here. So I'm, I'm going to get back to that a little later about the the focus and the emphasis of joy in the parables. It probably took me about sermon number five on the parable of the prodigal son on these lost parables to realize the emphasis in these parables on joy. I'll get back to that later, but for now, I have some bad news. Each of you, in a place in your heart and in your mind, disagrees with what I just said and doesn't believe what Jesus is teaching that he seeks and saves sinners. There's a part of you and a part of me that won't believe that. Either thinking that you can't be forgiven and saved as a person or for a particular sin, or you believe that someone else, perhaps someone who sinned against you, cannot be forgiven and saved. Because of that, I'm not going to say amen right now, but I'm going to keep preaching because you need it, and I do too. So let's go to parable number three, parable of the prodigal son. And Jesus introduces us in this story, in this, this parable, to a family of ranchers. And the father, the, the dad of the family of ranchers, is so proud to teach his sons about the family business and about love and about priorities and about being kind and generous. And then the younger son gets an attitude and says to his dad, Dad, thanks for everything you taught me. I don't need it. I don't want it. I want my share of the inheritance right now, and then I'm out of here. Uh, that's not good for two reasons. Number one, when do you get an inheritance? When, when do you usually get an inheritance? 
when, when someone dies. So this little twerp is telling his dad, you're as good as dead to me. Number two, dead or not, this young man sure loves the father's things, but he sure doesn't love the father. So Jesus in the parable says, he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Prostitutes, fancy cars, buying real estate, buying friends, wild parties, and eventually it's all gone, including the friends that he thought he could buy. Because when you don't have any money anymore and you're buying friends, they ain't your friends. Squandered his wealth in wild living. He, uh, he eventually started working for uh, a pig farmer and he was feeding the pigs. And in the parable, Jesus says that this young man was so desperate, was so hungry, was starving. He didn't have any money, didn't have, didn't have any food. He, he longed to eat what he was feeding the pigs. But he didn't dare do that or his supervisor would see it and fire him for stealing. So he hit this rock bottom moment. And then Jesus says this in the parable. Here it is, verse 17. He's talking about this young man. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your, servant, your hired servants. He's, he's rehearsing his speech in his head. He's putting this together. So he got up and he went to his father. You know, this young man hit rock bottom. Do you think that, that he would have thought about going back to his father and going back home if he hadn't hit rock bottom? I need four of you to say no. No, no. No, no. R correct. Do you, do you think God can still be good if he allows you to hit rock bottom or hit a dead end or become desperate or poor or feel unloved or lose a job or have a job that demands too much? Do you think God can still be good? I need four of you to say yes. yes. Thank you. And then there's this. It, 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 Jesus says this, he came to his senses. I, we're, we're kind of left to speculate as to why, but I believe a big part of it that Jesus is developing here in the drama is that he hit rock bottom, but I think there's something bigger. I think there's a bigger reason, a, a bigger light bulb that, that tells us why the son came to his senses and finally said, I'm going home. And you know what that is? How many times does the word father appear in his thinking? Four times. And if you include the word son, in his little rehearsed speech, son, so that he's thinking of this relationship with his good, gracious, generous father. And he's saying, my, God, my, my dad is so good. He's even good to the, to the servants, he, to the hired help. He's so good to them. I know he'll be good to me. 
that's why, that's what caused him to come to his senses. His good, good, good father. Then here's what happens. I'm reading from the parable now. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. His father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That was a sign of intimacy uh, in family, still today, but more so in that day. Kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. We're on brisket. Okay? Let's have a feast and celebrate. For, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, I forgot to tell you that I wanted you to... What I just read, you just have to think back. I hope you're listening. What actions or expressions of the Father demonstrate his reckless love? I found eight of them. Okay, I know it's not up on the screen now, but, but you should have been listening. So shame on you if you didn't, but we're gonna, I'll, I'll tell you what, because I love you and I have grace. I'm going to go through my list for you in case you weren't listening, but you've got to write these down. What actions or expressions of the Father demonstrate his reckless love? Maybe there's more than eight. If you find more than eight, you let me know, but here's my eight. For the wayward son who has wasted his inheritance, the Father is watching the horizon every day for his son to come home. He's watching the horizon. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to run out and greet him because he wouldn't have seen him. He would have just all shown up in the, in the house, but... The father is watching and waiting for his son to come home. For a father whose son's rude demands should have flared up his anger with nostril flaring, red eared disgust. The father was filled with compassion. No shaming, no blaming. Filled with compassion, Jesus said. For the father whose uh, son had run away, now running to his son, they didn't wear jeans or chinos in those days. They didn't wear sweatpants. What did they wear? Cloaks, we, like, like robes. And ladies, when you're wearing a skirt or a dress, what do you have to do with it when you run? Right? This, this dad has to hike up his cloak, and start running through the village and show his bare legs and maybe more. And respect of elders is really big in that culture. But more important to the dad than, than, his own, than people giving him respect, he had to go meet his son. So the dad runs to his son, embracing him with reckless joy. The father's son, or the father's love, kisses the son who wanted him dead. That was number four. Number five, um, the fa interesting, the father interrupts the son's confession. So Jesus told us earlier what the son had planned, he, his planned speech. The, the, the son didn't even make it halfway through the speech before the father interrupted and said, quick, servants, quick. 
let's, he's, he's here. And he did that for a reason. That's number, now number, coming number six. He did that for a reason. He says, this son of mine, he says it twice, this son of mine, not servant, not sinner, son. Son. Number six is this. The father will not accept the son's conditions for his return. And you remember what the son's conditions were? Dad, I'm back. And I'm going to pay it all back. Just hire me as one of your servants. Father says, no deal, because you're not my servant. You're not my slave. And you're not hired. You're my son. This son of mine, the father says clearly two times in, the, in his speech, this son of mine. Uh, so he takes him back. He covers his shame of poverty and loneliness and disorientation and disappointment. He covers it with the best robe. Who, whose robe was the best robe in the house? The father's own robe. Give that to my son. Gives him an American Express with no credit limit. Reckless. Spares no expense. This is number seven. Spares no expense. I mean, this would be the best brisket you ever have, the fattened calf. Um, the father doesn't need the son's things. He just wants his son. More valuable than any of the father's things. And finally, number eight. He, the, the dad doesn't wait to see if the boy is going to shape, shape up. No poking a finger at him. No scolding him. Well, let's see how... Let, 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 you go out there and you feed the... Let, let, I'll, I'll show you. You've got to learn how to use... It's just total, free, unconditional, reckless love, grace, and forgiveness for his son. No conditions. This son of mine... Son, that's, that's relationship, folks. That can't be canceled by a bunch of bad choices. Son. He was my son. He is my son. And he will always be my son. The father says about his lost, wayward, sinful boy. Whose status in the home does not depend on the boy's condition or the, or the boy's apology or if the boy can afford it or not, but depends entirely on the father. Now, sadly, the other son really didn't see it that way, and Jesus introduces us uh, to him in the parable. The, uh, the older son, so this, this, this younger son's older brother, he hadn't left home. He hadn't run away. He was there when his, young, when, the, when his younger brother came back, and he saw the party. And he was a party pooper and powder. He did not like the fact that there was a party for his younger brother who had run away and squandered his share of the inheritance and mistreated dad and been totally irresponsible. And so we find the older son outside the party, arms folded, foot tapping, pouting. Jesus describes it this way. 
that, that older son says to his dad. Dad went out to find him. Dad left the party, finds his pouting older son, and the older son says this, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he doesn't call him brother, doesn't call him by his name, this son of yours, sneering, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. I see here today some older responsible sons. Right here, I'm looking at some. Some of you lean more toward being the younger son, being mavericks and running away, and okay, okay. But some of you, hmm, you're the dutiful churchgoers. You don't run away. You're the faithful friend. You're the faithful family member. You give and you give and you give. You participate in the silly Christmas gift Santa secret exchange thing at work. And, and you do it because you just, you're, you're just so, you're, you're responsible. You buy all your Christmas gifts on time for all the right people, and, and you're the responsible one. You're the dutiful one. You give generously to church, to charities. You're always on time. You have clean teeth. Your hair is in the right place. And what really gets your goat is when People who aren't responsible and aren't dutiful are treated as if everything's okay. And that's really hard. Church members who don't volunteer or give as much as you, and yet they show up here all happy and giddy in worship and take your seat. Co-workers who don't work as hard as you do. Homeless, jobless people who take your hard-earned money and taxes and abuse it. Immigrants and refugees who have no home. And they come here to our country and threaten ours. See where I'm going? I hope you do. Because sometimes people get lost when they run away. Sometimes people can get lost even if they stay home. Those are the two lost sons in Jesus' parable. You know, we look at others when we're the older son. And we just want them. We just see they're not as worthy of love and attention and good things as we are, and it bugs us that they get love and attention and good things because we, we're worthy. We've proven ourselves. 
Yeah, we're worthy of a lot of self-love. And what that proves is that we're too proud to be repentant sinners who are lost and need to be found. So, at some point, I love this parable because any of us and each of us here can relate to one of the two sons, if not both, depending on a season and a particular sin in our lives. We, we can relate. But the biggest reason that I, I like this is because, not so much because of the, of the bad part, the sinful part, but because of this. You can relate to either or both sons, for this is the biggest reason, because both of them are found by the love and grace and generosity of a good, good father. And you can relate as being spiritually lost, being found, being found by a loving, seeking Savior. That's pretty big, and you can find yourself in the parable in that way. God seeks sinners desperately, and God welcomes sinners joyfully. Now, back to the joy part now. So as self-loving as we can be, as, as uh, squandering of God's gifts and possessions we can be, like the younger son, like the older son, God still finds joy in searching for us and seeking us and, and putting us in that rock-bottom place and just waiting for us to say, help, and showing off. And God loves sweeping the house and turning on the lights like the woman who lost a coin. And God loves searching behind shrubs and over cliffs and finding you, his lost sheep. He loves it. He's so full of joy. Salvation, folks, is a party. Come and let's celebrate. The lost has been found, God says. Salvation is a party. People, let your face know it. Let your hands know it. Worship with your hands in the air. Clap for songs. Let others who are wondering if they are even interested in salvation whatsoever know that it's a good place. Let your conversations know it. Let your friends know it. Let your generosity to church and to charity know it. That salvation is a party. And God is glad you should be too. I'm going to end with a story. And it's a story about, it's a lost and found story. It's a personal story. It's a story about the day that I lost my grand dog, my son's dog named Cole. Cute little guy there he is as a puppy on the left and a little older there on the right, but he wouldn't have been there on the right. The day that he was about that size, a little older, he got lost. He ran. He ran away. He ran and he ran and he ran. He ran outside the back door. He ran down the driveway. He ran across the street. He ran through the neighbor's yard and through eight more neighbor's yards. Ah! And I was the one who left the back door open and the reason he got out. So I ran, too, and so did my wife and my son and my daughter-in-law. We were all running, and some, some of us got in our cars because he was gone. He was chasing bunnies or chasing a dream or chasing something. He wasn't hanging around. He was gone, gone. And I went through five neighbors' yards, huffing and puffing and running. And then I realized as I was hitting the sixth neighbor's yard that on the other side of that neighbor was a super busy highway 
four lane, 50 miles an hour cars, and if little Cole got super excited and kept running, he would never make it across that highway. Disappointed, desperate, disoriented, hollering, Cole, Cole! Didn't hear a thing, didn't hear a bark, didn't hear his call, nothing. I made it through the neighbor's yard, made it to the street, made it to the sidewalk of the street, and I didn't even want to look in the street, but I did, didn't see anything, looked on the other side of the street, didn't see anything. I hear a voice, sir, is this your dog? (gasps) On the sidewalk of that street, about a block down that way, two 10-year-old boys on bicycles, and they have coal. Whoa, how did I get from here to here? I ran. Right? Don't let him, don't let him go. Yes, he's mine. And, and made it back to Cole. How did I feel? How did I feel when I, when I was able to have Cole and I have my arms? How, how did I feel about that? I'm out of breath. I'm saying thank you to the boys, but they don't really exist anymore as good a 10-year-old boy. Good guys. They did the right thing. I felt the same way that the father felt when he ran to meet his lost son. I felt the same way that God feels when he can forgive and love you and show you that he sees you and that he comes to rescue you every time. In the same way that Jesus feels when he can open his arms to you and welcome you And with the same arms, hold back all your critics and say, you are appreciated, you are known, you are loved. Let's celebrate. So everybody do this for me. Can you just smile? Some of you just fake it. It's okay. Do this. All right. Celebrate and be glad. You are found. Amen. Now, let's put you to work. We have a spiritual next step. This helps you take this with you for the week. Read Luke chapter 15. It has the three parables in it. Who do you identify with most? The the shepherd who lost the sheep, or, you know, the sheep being lost, the coin being lost, the wealth, or one of the sons? You know, look at it. Spend some time in it through the week. Pray about it. And, And who do you relate to more? And then do this. Explain your answer to a friend who needs Jesus. So this is, this is the, my story. Uh, you're saying, I found myself in this Bible verse. Here's how I found myself. And then maybe they can relate in their story and then God's story. And they're going to thank you for telling them one of the best stories ever told. At Cross Life Church, we believe in the Bible. And we, we're very solid about the Bible having timeless truths that do not change.